Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. Jeremiah 1.4 says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I love that this word here hits us because you weren't made to fit in because God made you stand out. He, he set you apart. He pulled you out of the pile and gave you a new place to stand. He, he set you apart. So, so if you feel like a misfit, it's not your fault. It's God's fault. He did it on purpose, for purpose. He, he set you apart. Don't stop trying to fit in with everybody around you. He set you apart. He has a special word for you. He has a destiny for you. He has a call for you. Every single one of us in this room has different fingerprints. We, we can go to, we can find that if you touch something, that this is how they, they solve murders. They find whose fingerprints were on this weapon and they can trace down to one person out of the billions of people alive on this earth because none of us have the same fingerprints. None of us have the same eye print. None of us have the same tongue print and none of us have the same walk. We are called to touch certain things, to speak certain things, to see certain things, and to walk in the destiny God has for us. Today, I just came, Timothy, that you would fan the flame in your life. The gift of God is his word over you that gets in you. And Okay, I'm already preaching. we got to hurry because I don't got much time. I feel like this is going to be a good one. I'll probably put this one on the podcast. Go ahead. we got some hungry people up in the room right now. I knew you were before you were born. I set you apart as a prophet to the nations. And then Jeremiah said, like all of us said, Lord, I, I, I don't know how to speak. How, how will I be a prophet? I don't know how to speak. And then on top of it, I'm too young. Or maybe you'd say, I'm too young in my faith. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever command you. Do not be afraid. I love that word, do not be afraid. That, that, to be afraid is to live in the state of fear. Many of us will step into fear's doors, but I encourage you to love more and fear less. Every time you step in, say, no, not today, devil. I, I, I almost came to live inside fear's house, but the Lord called me, do not be afraid. Do not live in the state of fear. I know maybe you were afraid yesterday, but that's not your home. You were over for a sleepover, but it's time to leave. It's time to go be comfortable in your house called love, in your house called joy, in your house called fearless. Come on. Do we have anyone fearless in the room? Then the Lord says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and he touched my mouth and he said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations, kingdoms to uproot, to tear down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. God is trying to tell us, generation, that he has called us to great things. He, he says, Jeremiah, I know your word in your mouth isn't going to do much. I know that you're too young. You're not mature enough, but that's okay. Because I don't want to speak to the nations with your word. I want to speak to the nations with my word in your mouth. I don't want to speak to your family with your word in your mouth. 
I want to speak to your family with my word in your mouth. I don't want you to speak to your boss with your word in your mouth. I want you to speak to your boss with my word in your mouth. See, when God's word gets inside your mouth, it will get dangerous because the Bible says to do everything as doing it unto the Lord. That's his word in my mouth. So all of a sudden, my boss asks me to do something that's not a part of my job. That's okay because I'm not going to do it for my boss or for my paycheck because his word in my mouth or his word in my heart says that I do everything as doing it unto the Lord. So when I go the extra mile, I didn't do it for an extra dollar. I did it because I got a different boss. When his word gets inside of my mouth, you can't offend me because I have an offendless heart. Because I have been forgiven of so much, how can I hold anything up against you? I'm still pulling the speck out of my, the plank out of my eye. I have no time to remove the speck out of yours. When God's word gets in your heart, your life starts changing. Your world starts changing. God spoke and everything came to be. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. At his voice, he spoke. He said light and there was light. He said he said separation, and there was a separation between the light and the darkness. The sun hadn't even showed up yet. It was the fourth day he finally made the sun. Go figure. There was light without the sun. You have a destiny without you being there. The sun he just put as a, a piece in the equation to rule over what he already made. Did you know that you are just a steward of your destiny? You're not the creator of it. You're the steward of what he created. The son is the steward of the light. And you are the steward of your destiny. Timothy, how are you stewarding it? I remind you to fan into flame the gift that God has spoken over your life. To be reminded of this so you do not shipwreck the great call on your life. You know, the word of prophecy that God speaks into us is for three things. The word that we hear, uh, when we hear God's voice, we hear it for three reasons. Are you ready for that? We've been talking about hearing God's voice, about hearing his word over us. Before God will ever use you to give a word to somebody else from God, he will first speak words to you about him. Then he will speak words to you about you. Then he will speak words to you about others. Right after this service, there was a lady that came and found me in the back, and she tried to give me a word from God about me. And so I, I, I listened, and then once I realized that the word was not from God, that I had no relationship, that there was no love, that this was an out-of-line person, then I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, but that is not from God. She said something like this, this church called Fearless is full of fear. And because fear is here, she said, when I was here, I felt several things of fear enter my body. And I was shaking. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, this church is not full of fear. This church is called Fearless. And fear doesn't like this church. But this is God's church. And you're not speaking of my life. Because you're not speaking from the voice of God. Because God does not tell me that. He speaks truth in love. He speaks truth in love love. He speaks truth in love. If you ever hear truth without love, it's not God. Love, meaning there's relationship. There's connection. Love is apparent. Love you can taste, you can feel, you can touch. 
You see these people on the sides of the street telling everybody across the street they're going to hell? You know, you're going to a, you, you went to the Lakers game, so you're going to hell. I mean, if it wasn't already bad enough that the Lakers lost and they come out, someone's telling you you're going to hell. Right? They got their signs. They're speaking on God's behalf. You can go, no, that's not truth in love. I, I will receive truth in love, but I'm not receiving hate mixed with truth. Right? So, so we got to learn how to walk with this. we got to learn how to walk with God's word over our life. I want to tell you, if it's God speaking to you, there will be three things that happen. Are you ready for this? When prophecy comes forth, when the word of the Lord comes forth in our lives, three things will happen. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says these three things. It says, he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. Sounds like a cool 80s rock band. Edification. <laughs> Exhortation and comfort. It's like a nice, peaceful band. Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. Come on, say it one more time. Edification, exhortation, and comfort. If God speaks to you through the prophetic word, even to yourself or someone else speaks it to you, these will be three signs you can know it's from God. If it edifies, if it exhorts, and it brings comfort. Okay, now let's talk about this. The word edification. Um, this means to, in the original language, the Greek word for this word edification in the original language of the Bible, because the Bible wasn't written in our language. Everybody know that? So the original word, that's why we got so many different Bible versions, because this guy's saying it meant this. And if we go back to the original word, we can find the purest meaning. This word to edify, edification means in Greek to build a house. Somebody say it with me. What did one, two, three? To build a house. The first thing that God's going to do in our life is he's, his word is going to build the house. It's going to build the house. Now, now, when I hear that, I hear of two things. I, I, hear, I hear the house of God. I hear the family of God. This, welcome to the house of God. This, this is not the house. We are the house. We are the stones and we are the walls. And, and the Bible describes this very a whole, different, a whole bunch of different ways. And he describes us as the body of Christ. We can say it's a house or we can say it's a body. He said, you know, part of the body is an eye. Part of the body are ears. Some of our noses. I don't know if, if you're the nose or the ear or the toe, but we're all a part of it. We're all a part of this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. And Jesus is the head. Now, now if, if, we're, if our words are to build up the body, we can rule anything out that doesn't do that. We can roll anything out that does not build up the body. The word I got from this lady is fearless. It's going down. There's fear all over this. This church will never grow. And I said, ma'am, that is not my Jesus. This church will grow. This church will take Los Angeles. This church will kick fear out of the door. Right? You, you can stand up to that word. You can stand up to any word that does not build up the house of God. You can stand up to any word that brings division Brother against brother, sister against sister. You can stand up to any word like that because you know that whether it was originally spoken by God and there's some offense in there that they're, now they're walking out something new, you can know that that is not from God. When God speaks, his words build the house. And not just the house here, the house in you. That the word of God is supposed to build your house and build your life. Now, now, my wife likes uh, these kind of house shows. I don't know if you like these house shows. And, and 
I, I, I don't really like them, but I, I'm okay with that. My favorite show is Impractical Jokers. And, um, you know, if you haven't seen that, you should go watch it. It's awesome. And it's everything that I want to do, but I can't because I'm a pastor. And so uh, you can just go watch it. It's amazing. And, and But my wife likes these house shows. So we always just have a wager. You know, if we watch one house show, we get to watch one episode of Impractical Jokers and uh, the whole thing. And her, one of her favorite shows is, 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 is called Fixer Upper. And I don't know if you've heard of this one. And we got some fans. We got some fans out there of Joanne and her Target stuff that she has. And Chip, uh, we have any more fans of Chip or more fans of Joanne? Let me see. You're a, you're a fan of Chip? Let me see your hand. Come on. Chip, we got any Joanne fans? We got any people that have no clue what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Awesome. Y'all are too busy living your life to watch someone else's, huh? That, that's what I, I feel. I don't want to watch someone else fix. I don't want to watch someone else work. I just don't want to do it. Amen. It's funny with these shows, like, you know, you, you picture this, this amazing thing, like this person just comes in and they, they're just going to fix up your house. I mean, sign me up, dude. Like, I, I, want, I want you to fix up my living room. And, I, and you see on the show, I'm like, all these new things and new appliances and everything they've dreamed. And so I've just, there's some shows on there where there's a guy who will just show up at Home Depot and find someone shopping in an aisle and he'll go, what do you want to do? And, and then he'll just go with you to your house and fix up your entire house. How many guys would enjoy that? How many guys would say, man, that would be pretty freaking awesome? You know, if you own the house. I know many of us lease, and you're like, no, I don't want that because I lease. And, and, but, but if you own the house, someone would come to your house. And, and, and I think sometimes we think of this word to build like this picture. But, but I've, I've read the fine print of, of Fixer Upper, and one of the things that, that, that's a trick on the show is it, it, they look like on the show they go and view three different houses and they, they pick which one. Well, it's actually a trick on the show because they already have the house that, they've are, that they're picking. I, I hate to help tell you that. It's, it's, it's fake. Uh, they, they don't actually pick between three. They already own one of the houses. And then, and then I need to tell you this, that they actually only fix up one room of the whole house. <laughs> like like the, the, the bedroom looks jacked like I mean their shower is not it's just whatever you see that's it it's like wow oh god uh, we, uh, I'm depressed over here but I'm happy over here and then all the furniture that's in there is the lady's furniture from the fixer-upper show she, she takes it from her shop and she puts it in there and if you want it you have to pay extra on top for the furniture that you see and so uh, so and then I want to tell you that it's not just Chip I know Chip looks awesome he looks strong and you see him ripping down the wall and his wife shows up and my wife's been like honey why can't you be more like Chip you know I mean uh, but but I do need to let you know that it's not just Chip that there is a crew of 40 workers that have been paid a full wage that this is what as soon as the cameras turn off Boom, everyone comes in. It's not just Chip, it's 100 hammers on the wall. Some of these shows, remember the show Extreme Home uh, Makeover? With, now that one was a good show, man. I used to cry. I used to feel like I was at church. I was like, this guy's got to be a pastor. I don't, he's just like loving on people. They actually fixed up the whole house. But you remember the crews of people? I mean, people it couldn't live in the house. Sometimes we think of building up the house as just like, oh, this is going to be nice. Oh, wow. We're going to build up the house. We're going to get a new kitchen. We're going to cook in it, honey. Man, I'm going to go to church, and it's going to be awesome. I'm just going to receive a word from the Lord. I'm going to float out. and I'm going to meet with my mentors, and they're going to give me a word that just builds me up. Well, can I tell you this? If we're really going to build, we got to sometimes tear down. If we're really going to build... 
We might have to knock out a few walls of offense. We might have to hammer out a few barriers of fear. We might have to rip some weeds out before we plant something new. Sometimes we think of building, we think it's just going to feel good. No, no, no. Can I tell you this? The pain is proof of God working. A a, a doctor's scalpel hurts the same way as a gangster's knife. It just does. It's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the beast when God starts working on my heart. When he starts building, he can't start with adding. He first has to start with subtracting and dividing and ripping out the old carpet that has mold in it. It's going to take a lot of people in my life. It's not just Chip. Here I am. Hey, how's it going? I'm Chip. Let me just hammer that wall down. No, this is just, this is, the, this is the picture in the show. And then I back out, and then God sends you to Monday. And he's got your boss chipping away. He's got your friends chipping away. He's got your mom chipping away. He's got your coworkers chipping away. He's working on our life. And sometimes we think, man, I just like Sundays, but I dread Mondays. You know, what's crazy is Sunday you prayed for patience. And Monday you got to walk in the patience God was trying to give you. God is working on our lives. Look, I mean, when's the, when's the last time you looked at actual equipment that they use to build stuff? I mean, it makes sounds. It almost freaks some people out. I mean, this is God shows up with the, with the drills and the hammers. I mean, look at this. This stuff looks dangerous. Like if I just walking down the street in downtown L.A. like this, people would be running. Right? When God starts building in my life, it doesn't feel good. And that's okay. It doesn't have to feel good. Because I'm not doing it to feel good. I'm doing it so he can build all that he destined for my life. I don't want to just be this vacant, old, musty, moldy house. Remodel me, God. Renew me, God. Take your word and transform my life. Fix this house up. You know what? Church is messy, man. If you're here and you think it's going to be easy for us to love each other, good luck. You can't do it without Jesus. We can't love on each other without Jesus. It's painful. It's painful when we start getting into real deep relationships. The funny thing is we think we're just going to enjoy the building. No, we're the piece of wood. The wood does not feel good as it's being nailed to the house. Does that feel good as it's being ripped off of things it thought it needed? It doesn't feel good when I had to let go of lies from my childhood that I thought were reality. Oh, man. Not everybody's going to hurt me. Oh, man. My father, God, is not like my father on earth. I have to to forgive. I have to let them make mistakes, too. I have to walk out this... Oh, man, it, it doesn't feel good. But, but here's a part of prophecy, that, that God is not going to leave you all ripped up. I, rem- I remember one time in our youth ministry, we, we thought we, were, we, could, we had the budget to rip all the floor out and, and put this new wood floor. And we were really excited. We had saved all this money. So we ripped all the carpet out. And then our pastor came to us and he said, hey, uh, you had the wrong budget. You don't have any money to, to replace that wood. So, so for four months, me and all my staff had to walk around on sticky floors because we had not counted the cost. We were busy ripping out, but, but there was a cost to discipleship. 
There is a cost to growth. It's going to cost me my time, my talent, and my treasure for me to move out of this dilapidated house that I was never meant to live in, to live in the full product of what God had for me. Now, here's the deal. I don't want you to get a nice house just to be on cribs. I want my house, or I could say my life, to be inviting, to be warm, to be a place of shelter for the broken. I want my life to be fixed up, not because I need a new life, but because there are others that are dead, that have no life, that are orphans, that need a place to come. They need a smiling face to see. They need a warm kitchen to cook in. God, I want my life to be built up through your word. Not because I want to be rolling. Because I want people to roll in. Good. Good. And there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear in us to let God do things. But you know, this, you should tell them Romans 8.31. You should tell all your fears Romans 8.31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God's working on my house, I'm going to be good. Everything's going to work out. He's not going to leave me in pain. He's going to move me to promise. He's going to move me to my calling. He's not going to leave me on the operating table. He only has me there long enough to get me to where I'm going. The next thing that will happen in the Bible, it says edification. Then it says this word exhortation. Somebody say exhortation. Exhortation. This word is the second major part of prophecy. In the Webster's Dictionary, it describes the word as a, a try to influence someone by words. In the Webster's Dictionary, it describes exhortation as influencing someone by your words. In the Greek, this word is the word parakleos, which many of you just had an aha moment that are Bible scholars in this room. Come on, you Bible scholars. Because the word parakleos is used several times to describe the Holy Spirit. Your words will be like the Holy Spirit, which this word means helper. You will actually speak words of life into people that will be words that help them, not hurt them. That help them. This is where we speak truth in love. It's not truth to see my kid walking across the street and not say, stop, when cars are coming. Right? Many of us want people to say, oh, don't say anything. That's awkward, you know. It won't be loving. No, no, no. That's not loving to not say anything. That's weird. My kid's walking across the street, a car's hitting. I don't say anything. Just let him get hit by a car. No, that's not truth in love, right? So, so, so truth in love, it's not just about helping someone get to where they're going it's also about helping them get out of where they're at right helping them avoid tragedy that's coming in their life look there, there are people in all of our lives right now that God has brought in our lives and we keep praying for God to do something God is speaking through people God has been speaking through people to us I'm not talking about ladies like the lady after church this morning that I said uh-uh not today devil I'm talking about God has brought people who love you who care about you who are speaking truth in love and you just want someone to tell you where to go, but you're tired of people telling you where you don't need to be. And the only reason they, they, they have to tell you about where you don't need to be is to get you to where you need to go. 
Look, if someone is speaking about where you don't need to be, the purpose of it is so that you can be where you're supposed to be. I need helpers. I need people in my life. Look, I, I have, I'm the pastor of this church, and I have three or four people that I, I go to on a regular. I go to people about being a dad. I, I need you to speak words of, in, of life into my life. I need help. I need help in this because I don't know how to do it. I have people in my life that, that, that help me with being a pastor. I have people in my life that listen to my sermons, and they're like, Hey, that you should you should not you should not get so high on this part. You need to talk quieter on this part. Or actually, hey, this is correct theology. You know, this is right, but you need to work on this. There are people that are always sharpening me, and I know that God has sent them into my life to help me get to where I'm going. Right? It sometimes takes an outside eye to help put the puzzle together. Right? My, my, uh, the guy I go to, I go to him once a month. I, I did a sozo at Bethel Redding, which is like a, I guess it would be like a Holy Spirit spa. That's, what I, that's the only way I could describe it. I went to the spa, and I cried for two hours, and it was awesome. And I left, like, floating, and it was amazing. So I said, hey, can I do this once a month? Can I just once a month talk to you? And so there's this 70-year-old man who's full of Jesus, and once a month I talk to him. Sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say. I just call, I have the appointment. I call him. And, and, and you know what? God always brings something up. God always gives revelation. He always finds another piece of the puzzle because I can't put me back together again. God is going to use outside hands that are acting as his hands to help me move to another level. Amen? Amen. So God wants, God wants to bring healing and, and words help to you. He wants to bring edification. The, the last word here is the word comfort. So the three things that prophecy will do is they, they will exhort you, they will edify you. So exhort is what? You remember what exhort is? I know this is new. It will build the house, right? Just if you forget what exhort is, just think of the exhorter right here. Here we go, right? It will build the house. What, what is it? What's the next one? Edification. What does edification do? It's a word of help. It's a word of help to us. So God will bring a word of help. And the last thing he'll do is, is the third thing is, is comfort. And this word comfort means to soothe or comfort. <laughs> That's what it means. To soothe or comfort. They nailed it on that word. <laughs> and <laughs> there you go. Aha moment. There you go. And to bring peace. Uh, the best way to describe this word, and, and this word is used as a medical word. It's like a medical term. So it's like. Um, anesthetic that you get or healing balm that you put on a, on, on a wound that, that the prophetic word will be healing in its nature it will either remove the hurt and operate you know there's some ointments that you can put on that, that help clean the wound while bringing what it needs to be healed and, and so, so many of us are just walking around with these wounds and we don't want anyone to speak into our life because the last 10 people that spoke gave us the wounds. And so, and so God's like, no, no, no. I'm going to use healing ointment to put on the wounds in your life. Look, a wound says one thing. I know what it's like to hurt. Many of us have wounds all over us. I mean, we're just sitting in it like everyone's like, there they are. And they're really hurting. Yep, you can see it all over them. Here I am. You ever, you ever met someone like that? You, you wanted to go up to him, but you just felt so like, 
oh man, they're just so depressed. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what this. You, you ask them how are you doing, and you're like, oh God, I don't even I don't know what's gonna come because they're just they are not doing good. You don't even want to get into it because you don't have two hours. But there are some people that we we've walked around with our wounds so long. This is who we are. And we sit in the seat of the victim, and I'm just going to keep being wounded. I'm going to keep. And, and look, that, that doesn't negate the fact that they shouldn't have wounded you. But, but why keep living with the wounds? Why not come to the house of healing? Why not, why not allow the Holy Spirit to take your wounds and make them scars? On my arm, I have a scar right here. You can barely see it. Here, touch that, Dave. Is when you touch it, my neck. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I just thought that would gross you out. <laughs> but you know, it's crazy. Is you know, I mean, although that was a little awkward for Dave to have to touch my scar, a little bit. It, it wasn't gross. You know, but if I said, "Hey, here, here's my wound," would you stick your finger inside my wound? I mean, <laughs> someone pulls off their bandit. It's like. Hey, I got this nasty gaping wound. It's got some gangrene on it. Would you just lick it real quick? I mean, would you? I mean, this is just gross. Because because people are creeped out by wounds. But but when you have a scar, it it doesn't just say I know what it's like to hurt. It says two things. It it does say I know what it's like to hurt because you don't get a scar if you haven't been through hurt. But it says something else. It says I also know what it's like to be healed. And you say, Pastor, I've heard you say that before. I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. I'm going to keep saying it. Every, if I say it every week until you catch that chicks dig scars, not wounds. <laughs> Everyone dig. I mean, you're like, dude, where'd you get that sick scar? <laughs> well, I was swimming with the sharks and one came up right behind me. Nah, I, you know. I mean, you even get excited. You even just start making up stories because they have built it up so high. Like, people are so enamored with scars. They're just waiting for, like, what happened. Did a, did a, did a bear maul your face off? I mean, and you survived? I mean, we love scars. Why? Because that person is an overcomer. You know that Jesus, when he showed the disciples his, the holes in his hands, they weren't wounds? Bible doesn't call it. He doesn't say he showed them his wounds. It says he showed him his scars. Why? Because this is a process. This is the normal process that we allow God to heal us. It's not normal for us to just, oh, let's just leave this. No, no, no. Let's get healing. It's going to hurt for a second to get the junk out. We, you know, when my kids get a cut, they're like, oh, no, mom, not the, not the brown bottle of stuff. You know what the brown bottle of stuff is? You squirt it and it foams up and it's ow. You know, it's. They just want the Band-Aid. They just want the ointment. But in order to put the Band-Aid and the ointment on, we have to first clean the wound. We have, to, we have to go there for a second. We're not going there to hurt you. We're going there to heal you. Look, the Word of God is healing, but sometimes that healing is ripping out all the hurt. And this is what the Bible says. It's, it says, I love what it says. It says in Jeremiah eight twenty two, Is there no balm in Gilead or, or this healing ointment? Is there no physician in there? Here's how we can read it. Is there no bomb in L.A.? Is there no physician there? Is there no fearless church in L.A. to heal the wounds? He said, if there is, then why 
Is there no healing for my people? The wounds of my people. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says this. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion. Did you know that God is a Father of compassion? So his words come from a place of compassion. The God of all comfort. You say, man, I'm too, too far gone to be comforted by God. No, he has all comfort. Who comforts us in all our troubles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the, watch this, with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Let me read it again. Who comforts us, it's 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I don't know if you're hearing it yet or catching it yet. I'm reading it a few times, but, but let, let, me, let me say it simple this way. We're going to comfort others by what we've been comforted with. Right? So if you don't allow yourself to be comforted by his word, see, your life is not just your own. We want people around us to be healed, but we don't want to get healed ourselves. God is going to use the very things that worked on you for you to work them in somebody else. I'll put it this way. If you have a healed marriage, God is going to use you to heal other marriages. If you have a healed relationship with the church, God is going to use you to heal others that have a broken relationship with the church. If you walk through anorexia, God's going to use you to bring wholeness in people's lives. If you walk through fear, God might make you the pastor of Fearless Church and make you help people with fear rise to another level. If, if, if you walk through offense, God's going to use you to help offended people get out of their offense. If you walk through cancer, God's going to use you to bring healing to others that used to have cancer, right? God's going to use you in power to bring healing to others. Some of you wonder why you're in the pain you're in. Some of the pain we're walking through has nothing to do with us. I had to face fear so I could help you out of it. I wonder what you're facing right now that God says, I have the healing ointment. If you just let me rub it into your life, if you just let this word work in your life. See, the word, the word is also described as keys. You know, at home, everyone has that drawer full of keys. You, you don't remember what they're to. You move 15 times, and you got 10 new cars, and you have five bike locks, and somehow they ended up in this drawer. Now they're worthless because you have no clue what they're to. But the key to your house, if you lose that, it's 100 bucks, 50 bucks, or you're going to have to hope that you get a new one because you're not getting in until you have it. Keys have value by what they open. And once you know what they open, you treat them a certain way. I gave you a key and said, hey, this unlocks a mansion over here. Don't lose it. I mean, even if you lose things, you're like, okay, oh, God, uh, sew this to my clothing. Like, I, I can't lose this. It, it's $1,000 to get it replaced. If you don't know what these keys are to, this ointment is to, you'll just throw it in the drawer and just like, hey, maybe when I get to heaven, God will explain. No, you don't need the word of God in heaven because you'll have God himself. You need this here. This is, the, this is your jar full of, look, this is, your, this is your doctor's pouch here on this earth. My wife does these things called oils. Anybody heard of these oils that, you know, like essential oils? 
I don't know if you've heard of I thought she, I thought she was crazy at first. I mean, she said, these oils will bring you happiness, joy. I'm like, this is stupid. And, so, and when I got sick, I, I had these headaches, and she would give me this one called peppermint. And I'll tell you what, I took aspirin, I took everything, and my headaches would not go away. And she gave me that peppermint, and I'm like, wow. So for the next three months, I smelled like peppermint. I, w- I would rub it on. I mean, people started making fun. I'm like, do you want some of this? And they're like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm, I'm like, I made my own concoction. I got peppermint. I got frankincense. I got some myrrh. I, I put some Christmas smell in here. This will bring you joy. And I'm just rubbing it on people. Why? Because it worked for me, so it'll probably work for you. I don't care how crazy you think I am. Look, if, if it worked for me, it should work for you. The same concept is if you let the word of God work in your life, you're going to get passionate about it. And even if everybody thinks you're crazy, you're like, dude, let me tell you, it worked for me. I know it can work for you. Robert, this is what you're doing. This is why you bring friends every week. If you came with Robert, I'm sorry. He just, he just found it works. And he's, he just wants it to work in your life because he loves you. And if it worked for me, this is weird why we don't bring people to church. You know why? We don't bring people because we haven't let the word of God work in us yet. So we just think it's that, we think, we think you think I'm like that weird guy, like I thought my wife was weird with the oils. Until you apply it to your life and it works, until you use the key to unlock the door, once you do that, it's over. But you have to say, God, okay, I'm ready for your prophetic word over my life. When you come into this room every week, you got to prepare your hearts. All right, God, whatever pastor's preaching, man, I'm ready. Open my heart wide. God, what do you want to speak to me? When, when you get with wise counselors around you, you pray in your mind. Say, God, take all this offense and this hurt and this, this, this stuff from me, God. And I'm telling you, God will use you in power. My mom grew up in an alcoholic, abusive home. I would hear her crying every night because of nightmares she would have from what her dad did to her when she was young. She lived at the police station more than she lived at her house, just to be safe. I would hear her crying every night, so I hated my grandfather. I hated him. I hated his guts. I never wanted to see him. I remember at 16, just, I'm, not, I'm a Christian, but I hate him. I hate him because what he did to my mom. And I remember when he was on his deathbed, dying of alcohol poisoning, because he couldn't get rid of the alcohol that was in his life. Both legs were amputated from the, from the alcohol that he had done through his life. He, he just, it's just a, a long story, but I hated him. And I, I never would go see him when he was in the hospital, but this time I felt like the voice of the Lord said, Jeremy, you have to forgive him. He said, Jeremy, I love him. And I've forgiven him. I remember arguing with God. Finally, I just said, okay, God, fine, I forgive him. That day I was at, happened to be at the hospital. I didn't know it was the day he was going to be with the Lord. But that day as I had forgiven him, all of a sudden I had this new compassion for him. Because I removed that wall in my house that was blocking me from seeing the person. All I saw was the abuse and the hurt. And that day, the day of his death, I led my grandpa to the Lord. On his deathbed. It's crazy to me that, that his whole life he hated God hurt people, wounded people, and God forgave him. He's in heaven right now. Standing next to my other grandpa who, who's there and was a pastor to ho- the homeless and had a, his own homeless church and loved on everyone he's seen. I wanted to be just like him. They're standing together with Jesus right now. 
You know what's crazy is that I had to be healed of my offense before God could use me in power to heal his. The enemy is holding some of the people in our lives up from finding Jesus because they're going to find the Jesus in you. But you can't minister him because you got all that stuff there. God needs to rub his healing ointment inside your life. He needs to remove the offense and the barriers. I know for some of us, Thanksgiving wasn't probably a good one. Maybe you didn't get to home, go home, and even if you could, you wouldn't have wanted to. But I want to tell you, God has chosen you as the first of many fruit. He has chosen you as the first of your family. Can you see him next to you worshiping? Can you see him next to you giving God praise? I guarantee if you catch this and you say, God, you know what? I let go of the hurt. I let go of the wounds. I let go of the abuse. And I'm not saying that what they did wasn't, was okay. I'm saying that I'm not going to live with what they did in my wounds. I, I don't want to live with wounds. I want to live with scars. I want to live like you, Jesus. You were wounded for my transgressions. You, you were whipped and, and abused so that I could be healed. God, and I want to be healed. I want you to rub this into me so that I could use it to rub into other people's lives. God, use me to win my family. Use me to win my workplace. Use me to win my boss. I can't be offended at my boss and lead him to Jesus. I can't be angry at my relationships and walk him to Jesus. I have to forgive. I have to let go. I have to let him heal me with his word so that I can be a prophet to the nations. Come on, if you need to forgive someone in your life, I want you to stand up to your feet. You need to let someone go. You need to rip down a wall of fear. You need to, you need to remodel the house. You need to say, God, you know what? I need this word to come exhort. I, I, need, it, I need it to come exhort in my life. I need to come build something new. God, God I need this word to, to bring healing, God, in my life. I need this word to be a helper in my life. I want you just to lift your hands all over this room, all those that are standing. Lord, I just thank you for all these honest people. Lord, it is never easy being honest, but it is always powerful. And God, we stand up and we say, no devil, not today. You're not going to have me wounded one more day. You're not going to have me sitting in the seat of the victim one more day. Jesus, I pray your prophetic word would go forth in this crowd. And Lord, we forgive, we let go of, we invite the workers into this dilapidated house. And we ask God, you will remodel this place Remodel our lives. God, we pray you would trade fear for love. You would trade shame for purpose. You would trade anxiety for your promises. God, we let go of every wound, every hurt, every abuse, every messed up relationship. We give it to you now, Jesus. We forgive. Come on, some of you are rubbing that ointment into your own life. You're rubbing the healing into your own life. Doesn't his word work? Come on, work his word into your life. God, we work this word into our life. Lord, heal us, Father. Great physician, heal our hurts and our wounds. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to take a step forward. Can you do that for me? Or to the side. We're just move from where you're at. Ready? One, two, three. Three. Come on, everyone, just move. Just move. Just even if it's just one step. Come on, just move from, from where you're at to a new location. I just, I just want to tell you that the Lord is saying prophetically over your life, this is what just happened. This is what just took place spiritually. As you begin to ask God, as you begin to allow him to heal you, you just moved from orphan to son. You just moved from orphan to daughter. You just moved from the hurting to the person that's going to go out and help the hurting. God, we pray right now as we move out of the place of hurt, 
abuse and offense, God, we step out of our house so that you could work on it. Now I want you to say, Jesus, today, thank you for fixing up this house. Thank you for all the good things that you're going to put in my house. I trust you with the hammer and the screw gun and the nails. I trust you with building. I also trust you with removing. Remove everything in me that is not of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Isn't he perfect in all his ways? I want you to grab hands with your neighbor next to you, and we're just going to do the most important thing of our day today. And we're going to invite people into life. The Jesus we talk about, the Jesus of this Bible, whether you know him or not, let me tell you about him. He is a God of love. And he loves you. He's not mad at you. He's standing with open arms. He's like the third base coach. You know, many people say God's like this. Repent, you wicked, you evil, messed up person. I found out God's not like that. God is like dad at third base, right? He's like, come on. Repent. Okay, come, come here. Come on, turn from your way. It's safe next to me. God is inviting you, not into religion. He's inviting you into relationship. And he's inviting you into life. God is not looking for you to be good. There's a lot of good people in, in L.A. There's a lot of great people, a lot of people that are a lot better people than me that, that God could use. But he uses me and he uses people in this room because we've passed from death to life. God is not concerned with you being good. He wants you to be alive. Jesus did not come die on the cross so you can be good. He came and died on the cross so you can be alive. He took your death on that cross so you could live out his life. He took all the sin, all the mistakes, all the shame, all the guilt, all your mess-ups. Just like my grandpa that day before he died, before he took his last breath, he said, God, take all my death. Take everything, I've, every mistake I've made. I've made a lot of them. And in one day, one breath, he entered into the kingdom of God. God's not inviting you to life for the next 80 years. He's inviting you to life for, the, for all of eternity. If you're in this room and you feel dead on the inside, the good news is you come to the right place. The bad news is only for the devil. He doesn't get to keep reminding you of death anymore. Because Jesus defeated death on the cross. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this room? You're in this room today. And you say, man, I'm tired of feeling dead. I feel like my life is like a funeral home. I feel like death lives with me. I keep trying to get new outfits, new, new jobs, new, a new passion, and, and nothing brings life, and I just need life. If you're in here in the sound of my voice and you need that life that only Jesus can give, on the count of three, I want you to squeeze your neighbor's hand. Ready? One, two, three. Hands are being squeezed all over this room. If your neighbor squeezed your hand on the count of three, would you just lift it up? Ready? One, two, three. I see this hand. Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.